Hello, welcome to the Professional Insight Podcast, Season 3, Episode 4. Thank you, Bondo. Um, <laughs> thanks very much for listening. Thanks for our, our, um, our sponsor, Brand Boulevard, for giving us all nice branded things. Um, we really appreciate it. My name is Brandon Curry. I'm Jeff Collins. I'm Josh Bond. And Trevor Lindy. And we have a special guest today, Woo-hoo! ladies and gentlemen. Yes, all the way from Welland, Ontario. Yeah. The big W. Uh, John Icola from Flip the Cario. So, uh, and business partner to Josh Bond as well. So, uh, thanks very much for coming on, uh, John. Really appreciate it. No problem. I'm more than happy to be here with uh, this fine group of gentlemen. Working from the office, too. a boy. One of us has to be here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah. Hey, I went back this week, started. I had some, somewhat a normalcy this week. I was in Monday, Tuesday, <laughs> Wednesday from morning till uh, early afternoon. Isn't it, it was nice. the, new, the new normal? Isn't that what we're calling it? That's okay. Hope that uh, I, I would <laughs> say I have a vested interest in Josh taking care of his family, too, so I don't mind it that much when he's not here. Yeah, fair enough. He, he helps. He helps a lot from uh, from the distance, anyways. He does you, you more just than get I those do. Deals closed today, Johnny. I, I think we got some big deals closed. That's 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 that's, that's the rumor. Coming. That's the rumor. Um, on that note, I gotta go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you gotta stay a little while longer. We gotta rip on Josh some more. This is yeah, a very. Well, I, you uh, know what? Keep in mind, I've known Josh since we were six years old. So, what do you guys want to know? <laughs> what don't we want to know uh, what's his stance the, on pooping in an rv the great metropolis of self <laughs> i poop so, all day in the rv <laughs> so John, you, you 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 uh had a couple of ideas for for the for a podcast and you really wanted to address and we thought it was a great idea to have you on to chat about um uh, basically the the new commercial tenant rules that have been implemented and or haven't been properly implemented or been implemented too late and just the implications surrounding that to a landlord uh, you want to kind of maybe shed some light on that now now just just so you in advance John we we did have a segment about kind of what the entitlements would be with respect to the landlord's responsibilities and Trev, I, I can't remember. That was in our previous year, I believe. Yeah, that one uh, actually just came out this past uh, Monday. That is episode forty-two or forty-three. Okay. So that one, that cool. one is live for for listeners. So the so so our listeners, John, have a a basis of you know the landlord's responsibility, the government kicking in half the the tenant oh, for what quarter for what secret actually is. Yeah, yeah, that was the full okay. uh, full detail of that episode was talking about Secra. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Okay. So I, I guess I suppose I should start by just saying, um, as I said to you guys off the air, and I say to pretty any much anyone I talk to, I, I'm not really affiliated with any parties in the government. I don't really like hammering on them for things they do well or don't do well. Um, in this situation, I always have to say that given what they're dealing with, trying to come up with rules that fix problems quickly on the spot without having full information has led to some difficulty in um, some of the plans that they have put out there. Uh, the Secra is very much one of those. Um, they put it out. 
and the response was extremely underwhelming. Uh, a lot of landlords, it's really not worth their while to get involved with this. There's quite a bit of um, responsibility that's at their feet, um, in including the fact that if anything goes wrong with it, they're the ones that have to pay back the uh, 50% if that loan should default for some reason or another. Um, that's one big problem. Uh, now, our premier has uh, come along, noticed that landlords are not stepping up. And now he said he's introduced this legislation saying that they can no longer evict commercial tenants. Um, so, and, so they can no longer from now going forward or? Well, okay. So, so basically what the, what the way the law works is as long as, first of all, in order for this to qualify, the landlord would have to be able to get Secra if he applied for it. So it's only for that group of tenants or uh, landlords and tenants. It would go until September 1st at, for now. Now, one of the hard things, and I'm taking a little bit of an aside here, one of the hard things with this is the government, by making all these laws and changing them, they're consistently moving the goalposts. So it's very hard to give solid legal advice in these times because what the law was before COVID, what it is now, and what it is after everything becomes normalized, there's no guarantee that those three sets of rules are going to be the same. And a prime example of that is this, this uh, legislation that uh, Mr. Ford put in. Um, basically, what he did was he said that no commercial evictions or no, basically no enforcement measures can be taken on a commercial lease if the, tenant, if the landlord and tenant would, would qualify for SECRA until September 1st, which in itself is, um, again, I understand what he's trying to do, not completely very well thought out for reasons that I'll go into, uh, but he also backdated it to May 1st. And a big problem with that is, if you can imagine a commercial landlord who has evicted somebody in May, now they're, I don't know what the situation is gonna be when this, the tenant comes back and says, I want back in and oh, by the way, I've suffered this amount of damages. Can they realistically go, should they be able to realistically go after the landlord for damages that there's no way the landlord could have foreseen that would come? And that's something that until it comes in front of a courtroom, we're not really going to know the answer to, which leads to another point. Any commercial tenancy issues that are going to a courtroom. The courts have been shut since, since mid-March. Um, I shouldn't say shut all the way, like they're still hearing motion stuff like that, but obviously certain emergency stuff, I think, eh, John? That's right. Yeah. And it's been opening gradually for motions and stuff, but no, nothing new can get, basically the timelines have been suspended. So there are going to be a lot of delays getting things started again. There was already a backlog and now you have a three or four month window where very little new stuff's going to be allowed in, which means, unfortunately, if you have a dispute that you have to bring to court, it's going to be some time before you actually are able to get it heard. See, a question on this. How yeah. do you go and – so it's only if, uh, if the landlord is eligible for SECRA, so the commercial yeah. uh, um, rent, emergency rent assistance, who's, whose responsibility is it to prove whether or not that landlord – like is it the tenant that now has to go and prove to – the courts, if that was the case, that yeah, my my landlord could have applied for it versus not, and how do you prove it? 
Yeah, and again, that's the that's a very good question. Um, you would have to like I imagine that you could bring in an emergency uh, application if you were a tenant, hope to get it heard. Uh, like the unfortunate part is like given the state of the system now, people could take a lot of risks um, thinking that nothing's going to happen until in the foreseeable future, and they may be right. Um, the court has some discretion over what they're hearing, some emergency things they might hear. Now, whether or not they would actually qualify, I would imagine the court's going to likely be very, very careful in allowing any evictions through the court. The question is then if, if something comes up where the landlord takes some of the self-help remedies that are available under a lot of leases, if they take those steps, are they going to be liable for the damages if they take steps that they turns out they're not allowed to? And, and that's where, you know, that would be the burden of proof at that point in time. And they would, I would imagine there would be a claim by the tenant against the landlord. So the landlord would basically have to prove that, you know, they, we wouldn't qualify for secret for one reason or another. And one of the qualifications for secret is that the tenant still has to pay the 25%. So you have some tenants that can say they, they can't pay anything. In which True. case it's, uh, you know, they can't, they, even if they fit within the rest of the criteria, technically, they don't qualify for secret, like they can't get secret, in which case, what are you doing? And this is kind of, again, I have to state this nice idea, but it, just like the residential eviction freeze, any kind of eviction freeze is, uh, and I use this term speaking with you guys before, it, it's a band-aid color covering a bullet wound in that it's, it's going to stop the bleeding in the very short term, but it does nothing to um, treat the problem. And the problem here is you have a company, a tenant that can't afford to pay its rent for one month. And now you're going to freeze evictions. But during that time, rent's still due. And then the next month's rent's due. And next thing you know, four months from now, when the freeze lifts, lifts they have four months of rent that's due. The, yeah, so the liability's gone way up. They got a heck of a right. lot more money due. So, so, now, of, so now, inevitably, what's got to happen is what? Well, I would say that there has to be another shoe that's going to drop. The question is, is how is it going to drop? Like a, at some point in time, someone's going to have to fund those arrears. Now, is the government going to do it? Which means, guess what, guys? We get to dip into our pockets in tax time and repay all that money. 100%. Um, or um, are they going to try and take it on the landlords? Probably not. Like, I mean, the landlords, I, I hope not because that, that's putting liability where it doesn't belong. Um, and then the next question is, are they going to try and deal with the banks? Because this is an issue. A lot of landlords, people think of landlords, um, much like think of employers, they think that they're the ones that are made out of money. And, you know, in some cases that's true, but you have some commercial landlords that may only have one or two buildings and they may be heavily mortgaged on those buildings. And if they don't get rent from their tenants, guess what? Now they're in trouble with their, with their mortgaging. My guess is they're going to, they're going to somehow force the landlords to accept 75% and they're going to kick in 50% or. Well, it, and to be honest, I, I agree with you, Josh, that that's a very likely way that this plays out. And to be honest, maybe that's what they should have done with the secret in the first place, but they also should have made it not so much the landlord's responsibility to do everything because sure. at the end of the day, the tenant is, really you know they're i would say they're getting as much or 
more of the uh, benefit well, and they have none of the liability. Now, what the government's likely thinking is if it does, if it falls through, the landlord's likely the one that's going to be left standing and the right. tenant's going to be gone. So they won't be, have a chance to collect from the tenant. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, I think, John, like we're, we're getting, I mean, at the end of the day, this is going to somehow fall on the taxpayer. I mean, like there, there's going to be some sort of, if, if that tenant is going to stay in there and they had, and they can prove, I don't know how you'd be able to prove that that this, because one of the criteria in order to get in, uh, Sursa, I, I say secret. Canadian Emergency C Commercial Rent Assistance. Yeah, yeah. Hi, I'm Emily Roger, and I host a leadership show called The Boiling Point with my co-host, Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Um, whatever the on the property because if, if there's no mortgage on the property then they don't qualify for secra right so which in, in which case they could not have extended it to their their tenants anyways um so you're kind of uh, how you prove that someone actually had a mortgage on a property is beyond me i guess you could take them to court and through you know through due diligence you could probably find out Oh, very um, easily, very yeah. easily, Curry. Yeah, yeah. But you, but but that, but but my point being is that 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 tenant who already doesn't have the money to pay for rent is already you know has already been you know evicted. pushing the elephant now, up the hill. Now now has to go hire a lawyer to go prove like come on, it's just it's just yeah. not even feasible. Yeah. But then on top of that, to freeze all evictions in, in in commercial, I mean that should have been done at the beginning. But I think you're. you're I think you're being too nice on, on, on all, all levels of government and, and specifically speaking the, the federal, uh, in, in specific. And I've touched on this on, on a couple of episodes ago. The fact of the matter is the reason why this is all hodgepodge put together is because the government never had a plan. The government never had a playbook. They never had a, what if an, an epidemic or a pandemic were to hit these shores. And even though a pandemic and an epidemic have been preached about for at least since SARS, which was 2003, um, and the avion flu, which was 2004, there was no plan. And they didn't want to- Or a very lackluster one. They're making it up as they go right they're now. Ma they make it, they make it up, they're making it up as they go. There is no lackluster one. There was no, there wasn't one. They didn't even, doc, Dr. Tam went on the CBC and she said right to Rosie Barton that she did not know that they had the ability to close down the border and to ground incoming flights. Hmm. How, yeah. how at the federal level do you not know you have the power to do that unless you don't have a plan or you, and you've never explored that rabbit hole before? 
I'm just looking no. too. The Niagara Health System has like a, a petition or a protest going on outside because they still haven't received pandemic pay. Oh, jeez. So the government's like, here, let's make everyone happy. You go work for them, risk your lives and all that. We'll give you four dollars more an hour. Most of them haven't even got it yet. Been doing it for two, three months. So yeah, now they're not up and they're protesting today. It's crazy. Yeah, I I don't disagree with you guys. I I, I maybe I'm just a little bit forgiving in nature. You are. Um, I, I think are. that uh, the, the problem with the governments, the problem with North America in general, is we've lived a pretty peaceful, stress-free existence compared to most of the world. And we actually have the benefit in Canada of being next-door neighbor to the States and the um, circus that they often have down there and the way that their planning works. So by comparison, uh, a lot of times we get, we get the benefit of looking better. Um, right. Should there have been a plan in place? You're, you're 100% right, Brandon. Like, there's been a lot of proof going up to this that there should be some kind of emergency protocol that is in place but it's it's kind of the nature of where you have governments from different parties coming in and out um you know and they may not always agree on what those protocols should be and that's maybe one reason and again i as josh would tell you i, I constantly I, I hate when people think of justifying the way things are um, when I'm just trying to look for an explanation. And that's what I look for in a situation like this. I'm like, okay, why isn't there a plan in place? And to me, it's because we're too comfortable. And now well, we're it, not going it, to. It's hindsight looking at it too, right? We're reactive right now because, you know, how do you budget for a hypothetical situation when everyone's fighting for every penny they have for the government to spend right now yeah. anyways, right? So now it's on there. Everyone's like, why wasn't it in place? But nobody was bitching about it before it happened. There's nobody yeah. screaming and saying, we got to get ready for a pandemic. Nobody actually, said, oh. actually uh, no, you're wrong. Well, I'm talking majority. Maybe there's like Bill Gates. No, 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 no. Back in 2006, Dr. Tam co-authored a report after SARS and after the aviation, the avion. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That basically stated you need to have a pandemic plan put into place and it needs to be adjusted on an annual or semi or semi-annual basis as more information comes known about the different epidemic. But, but there's no momentum from the masses. Basically, right now there yeah. is, but that's well, people but, didn't but, care. But that's yeah. the point, though. That's the you, that's the whole role of government. That's why that's why I elect somebody is because yeah. that's why someone hires me on as a financial planner, Jeff, and and yeah. is because you're telling me, hey, you know more than I do. I'm hiring you to do a financial plan for me to plan for a critical illness to plan for a. a, a but, but, but I looked at it like there's there's a, a people saying let's start preparing for an asteroid hitting the Earth and put all our money to that. And nobody wants to do it because they say sooner or later we're going to get hit, but nobody wants to do it right now. And then we get hit by an asteroid. Everyone's like, where was the plan? Well, there's yeah. a scientist who said we should get ready for this, well, but because you know, it's happened directly to us, nobody wants to spend the money on it, right? You know what? You're right. Um, going to what Brandon's saying, the, uh, the problem is the masses are apathetic. That's right. As, and when it, what happens is, if you think about it, Justin Trudeau, one of the main reasons that he won originally, he wanted to legalize pot. People, people usually and have a his limit. Father. Well, and his father, but I mean, like people usually have a limit of one or two issues that are right. going to make up their mind on the entire government. Right. Sure. If, if they even think that far, because a lot of people are like, well, my parents were conservative, so I'm conservative. My parents were liberal, so I'm liberal. Um, I, again, it's market. My husband liberal. is, my wife okay. is. So people are apathetic. They don't really think things through and they don't really care about it. And I love people as you know, but that's one of our flaws is we look at what's in front of us. Another perfect example of this, if we want to swing back into the commercial tendencies just for a second here, yeah, of course. Um, commercial leases have a provision in almost all of them 
that pretty much contemplates a pandemic. And in that force majeure act clause, of God, right? Force, yeah, majeure. force majeure clause, act of God clause, it specifically excludes the payment of rent. <laughs> so I, I think what should happen now, if you're responsible, meaning, 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 meaning that in the event of a pandemic, you still have to pay rent. That's right. So, so basically what should happen now is when they're putting together the lease, if, you know, if you're being responsible for the tenant, you should see if you can negotiate that in so that rent is not payable in the event of a pandemic. Now, as a, you know, I, I, I wear both hats. I represent both landlords and tenants. If I'm on for the landlords, I'd say, no, you want to make sure that the rent's coming in because you still have a mortgage. Right. right. So it, it's, but it is a point that really should be taken a look at, but for the most part, it, like, I, I don't know if I've ever seen one where rent is not um, excluded from that. And honestly, guys, I've done hundreds of leases. And that's one of the clauses that's at the end of our leases. And it's a fairly standard clause, like an assignment clause or, uh, you know what I mean? We don't pay attention to it. Like, you know what I mean? It's one of a standard provision. You read it, but, you know what's in it, but I mean, oh yeah. it's so standardized. But, but further to Brandon's point, now that this has become a real possibility, anybody that's been burned on this previously, you're, you're sure that they're going to pay attention to this now. Well, in theory, but I mean, like in 0809 happened and I still can't get people to, to listen to me on what, what a financial plan recommends. Right. Like, I mean, literally the, 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 finan the greatest financial crisis up, up, up until today um, was 0809. And that was literally 10 years ago. Everyone on this podcast re remembers it. Everyone on this podcast knows how they were affected by it because we at least had some knowledge of what was going on. And I, I still can't get people to sit down and button down the hatches and to listen. So I don't know. I mean, John, you, again, you are, a, you are a lot more of a, a glasses half full. I've, I've dealt with you quite a bit. Um, you are much more of a glasses half full kind of guy than me. Um, because, I'm the um, glass half empty kind of guy in the partnership. That's, right? that's why we work, we work very well together because of that. Well, do you know what I mean? So we'll like, end up with a full glass. Yeah, I, yeah. Right. <laughs> so I, I'm of the notion, I don't think people will still li li listen, to be honest, because I, I've got... I've got plans out there that people are like, nah, nah, who cares? Nah. Like, all right, fine. Then don't bother. Don't bother listening. Know your file. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, you're a hundred percent right. That's the problem with the masses is the masses. And this is, this is the problem with politics. This is a problem with a lot of society is that it's the five feet in front of you. Yep. And that's the, that's the sole focus. And at the end of the day, those of us that are lucky enough to kind of look at things from different angles, usually can, give ourselves better protection the problem is for society as a whole to be protected you really need to do and this goes to what jeff's point is you really need the masses to kind of get behind any movement mm -hmm. that's today with social media that's the unfortunate part yeah but i mean like you look at you speed the reopening why do you think we're reopening right now we're reopening right now because too many people are getting negatively affected and the, the, the impact of that is you may have the masses getting behind a, like a particular thought and I, I think they're also reopening because they're not going to be able to stop them anyways in the summer. They have no choice. Right. They're going to look bad. That's right. And, and to be, I mean, cause to be honest, what has changed from when they shut things down till now, the numbers are, you know what? Yes, there aren't as many new cases, but there are more cases today than there were in March. Oh, yeah. the, the virus is still out there. 
and there's still no vaccine. Niagara's doing good though. <laughs> we are doing okay, but what happens yeah. when we start we start seeing travel? Right? Yeah, well, it's going to be interesting because the, the masses are going to fall with the sports leagues do. Yep. So they're open up the sports that people think it's safe. But look at Florida now. They're both open up down there, and it's rampant there. Florida already did open. Well, I know, but they're both open professional sports down there. Yes. That's right. what they wanted to do, right? Yeah. Now it looks like they're going to potentially open up the NHL maybe only in Canada, which makes more sense to me because why do you want to send the athletes to the States where it's terrible? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and no one's listening. So. But then do you want to bring it to Canada where it might affect our, our hospital system, right? Where tax dollars are paying for for these things. So yeah. I don't know. Well, it's it's funny that you say it like Jeff, because I think if you remember if you remember back to when the, the crap really hit the fan on this. It was sports. It, it was, was basketball league. It was a basketball club. player. The basketball yes. player that licked the licked the microphones. Uh, oh, Rudy Gobert. Thank yeah, you. Rudy Gobert. And then, and then Adam from... Silver said we're shut down. And the very next day the NHL shut down. And then That's the whole right. world said, whoa. This is serious. Yeah. What? Because the masses watch sports and it affects and sports. And that's that's you're you're right. So very much. I mean, and it's funny. Um, I think it was Dwight Howard recently came out and said, you know, playing basketball is not important right now, or it's not essential right now. And he, as a professional athlete, I always found I found that kind of funny because when is professional sports actually essential? Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, right. you know what? Like you're basically dipping into your own. That having been that. said, he was saying that in light of the Black Lives Matter movement. No, I so. know, but but the whole point well, is in yeah. coordination with uh, with the pandemic. Though. Yeah, and, and you know what? I think most of the athletes are probably looking at it like we're we're healthy young people here. We're not going to get affected by it. But it's the underlying health problems that could kill them. Until yeah. one athlete, one professional athlete gets dies from COVID. It all shut down instantly. Well, Again. you know what? But but there, there, right there is the problem. We have this disease that unfortunately is very Reaction. severe on a select, a select part of the population. Yeah. And it's interesting because you've seen on TSN, on Sportsnet, on all the sport, on ESPN, all of these, they're not naming names, but you know, all these athletes that are now testing positive. Haven't heard of one having been hospitalized or being in very rough shape. Well, and that's Matthews part- has got it right now. Austin well, Matthews got it right yeah, now. It's the first that's been released, really, for hockey. But, yeah. but is he is something going to happen? Very likely not. Like I looked at the stats um, as recently as last weekend because you know you talk, speak to some people who are very scared, and that's you know it's the unknown. So you're always going to have some fear because um, the underlying conditions are the thing. But the fact of the matter is, if you look at South Korea's uh, death rates by age, and it's really hard to find death rates by age here, which I would love to see, but up to sixty. It's all very, very, very much below one percent. I think. Cases. I think Grant Lafleche has the, the the age rates. He he puts them on uh, our post. He's one of the the, the one of our, our people on on uh, the podcast. But if you if you check his tweets, he's got like per age everything. Yeah, and that and that's an important stat because like it does show like it, you know what it's it's very very low up till about sixty. Then it jumps into you know a, a few percent. Then it's 80 and above. That's where it's it's the highest concentration. Yeah. 70 plus, I think it's nine percent and change, and then above 80, it was 25 plus. And yeah. that speaks to like you know, and the tough part is is that you can't say that it's not an issue because everybody knows somebody that is potentially very vulnerable to it. Yeah. And that's why it's like it, that's why we're taking all these precautions now. That's why the world has become the way that it is. To me, but, the biggest interesting thing is going to be the NFL. Because that's the most amount of money in the line for any sports league. 
something like $12 billion. And oh, God, yeah. They're proceeding yeah. as if nothing's even happened. They want to do it in their stadiums. Now they're trying to limit it. But, like, the, the coaches are going on record right now and saying there's going to be 100 people on the field together in groups. Like, there's no way we don't get it. They're basically saying everyone in the NFL will get it. You know what? Oh, the NFL is really interesting because for, for years, like, they're – it looks like they're finally listening to the masses a little bit because if you think about the the Black Lives Matters movement, how long did they like Colin Kaepernick still doesn't have a team? Two years. Yeah. Like I mean, they've been for years Solid. this has been an outstanding issue, but now they're finally kind of coming around and saying, Okay, you know what? Because the problem is is you have such a money generator, you own a day of the week. There's there was never any incentive for them to actually sit and listen to anyone. But now you're getting more and more public support that's well, visible billion dollars in the line right now for the season that's so right. it's it's so like we gotta like, make this proceed so it's coming down to money and, right now and to be honest that's okay when you're talking about the money and power sports, the sports the sports where you have a high percentage of uh of african-american or african-canadian athletes that are going to be forced to play in these groups and you also have the black lives matters movement on top of the pandemic it, it really does present a very interesting thing. And I think that's probably why you look at Floyd Howard's comment. And yeah, it's a little, um, you're right. It's it, to take it out of context is a little bit harsh, but it's interesting to me because I'm like, well, these sports in general are always kind of non-essential. It's just, that's what we do for entertainment. Yeah, it's entertainment. That's it. Absolutely. Well, uh, thanks very much, John, for coming on. And we really appreciate your insight, especially on the, the, the Secra uh, piece and also your insight on sports. Matthews is in trouble, man. Any yeah. No, he's not. Yeah. He's not in trouble at all. Oh, he could be invincible in the first round of playoffs now. There you go. <laughs> That's right. Thanks very much, uh, John, again. And we hope to have you on in the future. Uh, Any, anytime my boss get, lets, me, lets me come on, I'll be happy. Oh, sorry. Okay. Did I call you a boss, Josh? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's, it's been a pleasure, guys. Uh, it's always a pleasure talking to you guys, and uh, it's—I uh, think it's—it is very valuable some of the information that you're uh, putting out there, so that people can, you know, make informed decisions as much as they can, and hopefully, their, you know, give a crap meter rises with the things that come on, so that they do pay attention. Because I don't think you're wrong, Brandon. I think that people do need to pay attention to the way the world is, and do what they can to best protect them and protect society as a whole. But I, unfortunately, I can only affect myself and those close to me. So anything I can do, uh, thank you for having me on. Thanks very thank much, you. buddy. And uh, thank you very much uh, for everyone uh, for listening uh, to the podcast everywhere that podcasts are downloaded and can be listened to. Bondo? Help us help you stay informed. You looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness? Then check out the Natural Man Podcast. Join me, host Mike C, as we explore all areas of human wellness, physical, mental, and emotional. Learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health. Remember, your doctor works for you. Learn biohacks, neurohacks, ways to improve sleep, and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? 
Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company. 